Welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. I'm your host, Richard, and this is a special work in progress edition. And it's going to be called Don't Be Underestimated in the Battle Between Heaven and Hell. Now, I know why, and you will know why. So joining me tonight from Underestimated Games is Gary and Aidan. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Good evening. Good evening. How are you two this evening? Are you well? Yeah, very well, thank you. Good. You're comfy and cosy. (laughs) Snuggled up on the couch, ready to go. (laughs) That's good. You've got a nice little rug and a a cup of cocoa and everything (laughs) like that. The the open fire is roaring. That's fantastic. Now, um, we're here today to talk about um, Purgatory, which is your Kickstarter game, which is going to be launching in, in October. Is that correct? That's right, yes. Good stuff, good stuff. So, as always, before we jump into this, um, the reason that we do this is because um, there's quite simply not enough podcasts about board games. And there's quite simply not enough podcasts by... Well, there's usually two people, but we've got three people on tonight, so we've broken the rule already. Um, So, guys, obviously this this is a new venture, it's an exciting venture for you. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about how you got into the kind of the the board gaming hobby, um, Gary? If you want to start off and tell us how you got into all things cardboard and miniatures and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so um, basically, uh, I can remember my first model. I can remember where I bought it as well. Um, back at high school, I'm 36 now, um, and I remember going into what was Debenhams at the time. Uh, they had a games workshop. Uh-huh. And uh, I bought a Longfang, uh, a Space Wolf model, uh, which is the old lead with uh, like a massively oversized sort of gun on its shoulder. Uh, I still have the model somewhere, though I think it's uh, looking a bit better. It has some better days anyway. It's um, worth a bit, worth a bit of money now. Do you keep it all nice and safe, or is it? Not with the layers of paint it's got on that bad boy. <laughs> <laughs> Does it look like a mummy? Yeah, as a little bit. To, as, as opposed to any kind of kind of spa- Space Wolf. No, not anymore. But I mean, it it, it it sort of triggered something in me that I'd, I'd sort of, uh, at the time, I, you know, I, I was uh, I was sort of going through school and stuff, and I, I found it quite interesting. And um, I sort of picked a few more bits and pieces up, basically, and uh, eventually kind of collected my own sort of force. And I found it tough, actually, through school, because it, I think with modern day, it's it's more acceptable to play board games and, and, and do that kind of thing, whereas back then it, it wasn't so much. So um, I kind of dropped off it for a bit. Um, and then I, and I picked it back up again. I used to travel on the train quite often. Uh, mm-hmm. I picked up the White Dwarf, and there was a Space Wolf supplement in there. And oh, really? uh, I just saw these new models and thought, wow, I like these. Uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back and have a little look. And, and at that time, actually, I had a lot going on, and just, just in terms of moving to a new house and everything else. So um, it, it served as a really nice hobby, really, to, to sort of get me back into doing something that, that was something I could do at home. And it was, yeah. it was, at the time, kind of low cost, if you know what I mean. That's good. Um, what about you, Aidan? How did you get into get involved in this this fabulous expanding hobby? Well, to be honest with you, um, essentially, I remember like when Gary says, you know, I remember going to Debenhams and playing sort of the Space Hulk and all of that sort of the basic games. Um, uh-huh. But over, over time, to be honest, I, I moved away from the tabletop gaming and more into computer gaming, yeah. um, and that's one of the things that I sort of bring to the team. One of the things we wanted to do was sort of marry some of the things that they have in computer gaming and also traditional board gaming and right. bring it so a tabletop game can be more openly accessed by different people. So have you, with you now being involved in, in Purgatory, have you started to dabble a bit more in kind of board games now yourself? Yeah, yeah, I have. I mean, I've looked at things like Malifaux. Mm-hmm. And and a few and a few other different. I mean, I go along to the games clubs and watch the the guys sort of play. I haven't actually sort of gone in hard myself, yeah. um, but I can see like where the mechanics work and how interesting and how things sort of have changed. I uh-huh. really like the idea of the smaller sort of skirmish stuff, which is why we've gone for that kind of thing okay. rather than the sort of old school where you had these huge huge armies that look difficult to manage. If you know what I mean. Cool, cool. What, what uh, is what is quite funny? I'll just quickly say something is that. Just by our own admission, we did go to the Monopoly Grand Tournament. Yes, we did. Yeah, um, it was. <laughs> uh, I, I collect limited edition Monopolies. So, and, and we'd played it since Do we were you? kids, and we had bragging rights. Well, the three of us, yeah, Aiden's right. younger brother. You, you... 
<laughs> you you collect you collect limited edition monopolies. Yes, yeah, I've got about thirty or forty sealed editions plus a number of open, even rarer editions. I mean, I'm lucky enough to hold one of the copies of Ghettoopoly, um, which <laughs> I, I encourage all yourself and all your listeners to have a little look at. Um, the the Wikipedia page on that is a, a very interesting read about a guy who essentially decided he was going to design his own game. He didn't have any of the clearance from Waddington's, etc. Um, and he sold many, many copies and then got heavily um, you got sued, crunched. Didn't you? Heavily crunched, yes. yes. But See, it's, you... it's a gold mine, you can imagine. There aren't many complete copies around and certainly none that are sealed. Do you like, do you like, kind of like, do you, ha- you have it sealed and do you keep it somewhere special at all? That, that, that one specifically I don't have sealed, um, but a lot of mine are, are still sealed, yeah. See, you just have to wait a second and then the real board gamer person just appears from nowhere. <laughs> it was, it was hyper competitive at this, at this tournament. There were, there were four of us that went to, uh, to Norwich and there was like a Monopoly bus and, and Aiden's got some Monopoly trainers and a Monopoly coat and, and we went along to this thing and uh, yeah, there was, the, the results were interesting and it was quite fun because it was speed Monopoly so there was uh, people crying foul and all Questionable things. rules, yeah. So okay, so quick, quick monopoly question for you then, okay? Mm. When all the fines are collected, and they're put in the middle, yes, and people land on free parking, yes, are they allowed to take the money from the fines in the middle? It does depend on what set of rules you're playing. <sighs> house but rules. This is not what the, I was ha- the, for. the house rules say. Yes, they take all the money. Right. Okay. And that is that is what I would prefer to play as a general rule, but <laughs> so competition it, rules say no. So is this like kind of like when you play pool, and you get the argument round the table? It's like, well, do you play do you play two shots carry, mate? <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> yeah, is that what it is? That's exactly what it is. Yeah. He says it's two shot carry. We don't play two shots carry, do you? <laughs> Missed his first shot, didn't he? Yeah. House rule. Table. House rule. Yeah. Is there? I mean. Is there like a meta game? There must be, isn't there? I mean, there must be people that have an entire strategy to say they go like that. He's taken, he's taken Old Kent Road. That's it. Game's over. Is it like oh, chess? Do you know what? Do you know what? These boys done that. Yeah. They, they, they. Uh, uh, Aiden told me about it. Yeah. So then I told the other boys about it. And then before you know it, these lot are like distributing like, like these just these these recommendations and, and what you should and shouldn't do about how you should what colours to go for and everything else and I think everyone deep down has got their their sets that have sort of seen them right you know I, I quite like the pink set and the orange set they always seem to do me well and funny enough I won um, with the pinks and the oranges I always um, ended up I always ended up getting Old Kent Road in that yeah. set and then on the other side hitting Monopoly so what would happen is they'd land on Mayfair and park was at Park Lane. Park Lane, yeah. And they'd land on that and they'd be like, ah, what? And then they they pass their go, so they get their two hundred and they think they're safe. And then they <laughs> land on Old Kent Road on the other side and I just hit them again. Just yeah. get smack them down. Quick four hundred. <laughs> I'll have my four hundred from a hotel on, on, on Old Kent, please. <laughs> oh, this is fascinating. I really, I'm really interested because normally the conversation about Monopoly is: so you played Monopoly as a kid, yes. Did everybody have big fights? Yes. Did, <laughs> did everybody cheat? Yes. Did you have fallings out with your sister? Yes. Did somebody rip up cards? Yes. <laughs> kind of thing. And this is a whole new area. This is people that's keeping Monopoly alive. Do you know what was brilliant? We had because uh, Aiden's younger brother used to play it, so it used to be me, uh, Aiden, and his younger brother. Yeah. And and watching the dynamics between those two was like just I used to just rub my hands with glee because they just constantly wanted to outdo each other and I'd just literally swoop in, in just sneak yeah. in the back door and win the game because they were arguing like hell. Is it like watching kind of like two grandmasters at chess? <laughs> kind of like, oh he's got a station. Yeah, he's got electric <laughs> he's got a utility company though. Oh right. no look he's just won second prize in a beauty contest. <laughs> I remember I remember when we used to when we used to play that in my house and my dad used to come up with the same joke which was like I first prize went to the pig eh? <laughs> Every single time even if you played two games in a monopoly on the trot it was the same the same joke all the way through. So <laughs> moving on. okay okay and the last question is okay Car, hat, dog, or iron? Dog. 
None of the above. It's always the ship in the original version. The <laughs> ship. The ship. <laughs> You've just taken me into a whole new world that I want to find out more about. I'm going to seriously, we're going to put some links on to Monopoly, you know. I mean, we might even do, we're not going to, we might not do a Monopoly special, I can't promise. <laughs> we want to know, we want to know. This is potentially a whole other, a whole other podcast. There'll be folk that'll be tuning in and going, right, I was here to listen to Purgatory and they've been going on about pass and go for the last, what, 20 minutes now. What's going on with this? Well, I'm going to turn this off. I didn't expect, I thought they were talking about board games. Um, obviously, were you getting involved in the design stuff you know the both of you and you yeah. starting to kind of getting back into it or uh, you know in your case kind of Gary not kind of keeping it going are there games that you you two are like playing at the moment or is it all kind of concentrating on the on the purgatory side of things what kind of happened is um I got I found my way back into it into into games workshop stuff hmm. and uh, I joined a group um which is it kind of still exists called Platoon Britannica uh, and it was a group set up after uh, there's an event called Golden Demon at the Warhammer uh, yeah. stuff, and uh, there was I think a lot of Spanish people and a lot of Italian people had done really well in the UK competitions, and and a group of really good painters in the UK basically set up this group to find the best painters in the UK and to actually try and compete. Um, so we done that, and actually I won a Golden Demon. Um, oh wow! Okay. And um, with a, with a duel I done, and uh, there's a few of us now that are really fast friends that meet quite reg- uh, regularly to to talk about the hobby either via Putty and Paint or Call Me or Not. Um, yeah. And and there's there's a big community around it, and there's some some good friends from it. So you know I carried on playing. Um, you know I've won uh, I won the first ever Kill Team event at Games Workshop. Um, and I've won some best painted. I've won some some got some placings at grand tournaments and stuff like that. So I kind of I kind of stuck with Games Workshop for a long time, and then I think they uh, did. You they, ever work there? Did you ever consider getting like a part time job or working no. there for a while? No. No, they they had this thing where the second you walked in the door, they had to try and sell you something. Mm. And, I uh, noticed that. That's what I was put. This is what I was going to ask: is the culture in there? Was I think it was the first hard sell kind of place I'd ever walked into where people didn't because people usually follow me about places thinking I'm going to steal something you know I've got <laughs> yeah. that one I've got yeah. that kind of face you know I can't go in anywhere expensive it's I end up like Julia Robertson pretty woman. <laughs> you know, people just go you know I'm just going so so how much is this tuna and they're like um no I, I don't think you want that tuna <laughs> it's like well it says on the shelf it's 79 pence no i don't think you want that tuna i think you maybe want to go to the tuna shop down the street kind of thing so and and so i was always used to kind of like not you know getting followed in but then what happened is they trying to engage you in mm. some kind of conversation and i remember it was there was a one there was a games workshop in edinburgh on the royal mail and used to go in it, and the first time it's kind of wondrous because usually retail places, and this is going to sound awful, but normally retail places, usually guy focused retail places, kind of generally leave you alone. Because if a guy's going in for a set of something, he just goes up to the counter and says, Right, I'm having these jeans, they're size 36, I'll take them. And they don't expect any customer service. So I'm walking into Games Workshop, and this guy's following me about. And I goes, Oh, here we go. I'll be asked to empty my bags out or something like that. <laughs> And he says, so are you in here for anything special? And it was looking at the, um, it was when Advanced Advanced Space Crusade was out and Games Workshop, um, White Dwarf had been starting to release the kind of little expansion scenarios in the magazine. So I was out going, I was getting some orcs, basically. And this guy approached me and it was really scary to have somebody not only try to have a conversation with me, but try, try and, you know, get me to buy all these things do you know what's great about them as well is that and and you know there's a there's a certain degree of gentle stigma that applies um because these people come and approach you and try and talk to you but oh. actually some of them are most the most socially awkward people in the world <laughs> you can imagine the staff meeting in the morning guys <laughs> what are we what are we gonna do um um remember it's it's eyes and smiles and teeth and most of all confidence Try confidence. Yeah, I can imagine Kevin, that. Kevin, Kevin, <laughs> stop picking your nose, Kevin. Kevin. No, don't wipe it in your sleeve, Kevin. Now remember, it's a special 10% off 
and you get a bonus if whoever sells the most Urukai orcs as well. So, Absolutely. <laughs> so that's what it is. But mm. God bless them. That's what I say. Well, it got me into the hobby, and and I'm still, you know, as much as I don't necessarily um, sort of go for everything Games Workshop now, I've got a bit of a blend, and obviously we're doing our own thing. But yeah. you know, I still I still make a point of going in there and seeing the the local resident Jeff uh, and just chatting to him from some time because he he's a decent guy, and actually he's 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 he's, he's almost like leveled up. He doesn't approach you now anymore. Um, <laughs> he just stares he, at you. You know, he's uh, yeah. He just he just comes and talks to you and says, you know, is there anything you need? No, right. Let's have a chat. How you doing? So um, it wasn't even that at the time. It was the fact that somebody goes up and you just come up and sidle up to you like this, and they would just come closer, <laughs> and closer, and then they would go, um, it's the it's the elders that you want, and, <laughs> and then they'd step away like you were going to turn round and. And maybe lamp them one. <laughs> it's bad when you when you when you kind of sense somebody near you rather than see them first. <laughs> exactly, but no, that's not fair in Games Workshop. They built an entire business. Oh, they're excellent. Basically, you know, and they are and they are obviously kind of very very good at what they do. Um, so, in terms of other board games, is there anything else you guys are thinking about playing? You'd like to play? You'd like to get your hands on? Or is it all just purgatory up to the eyeballs at the moment? There's a bit of a mix, to be honest. We we, we have a, uh, I set a games club up with a friend uh, mm. called uh, called Legion, and um, there's all sorts of games that play there. So you can see Bushido, mm-hmm. Malifaux, you'll see Hordes, mm-hmm. uh, so Warmer Hordes. Um, you see traditional games, workshop games. You see some of the new Arkham games from uh, you know the, the the night models, Batman stuff. Oh, yeah. um, there's all sorts that goes on. And then, uh, like for example, there was Arkham Horror at the weekend, which is a board game. The guys yeah. are playing. Uh, you see Zombie Side sometimes as well. So you, you, there's there's a wide range of games that get played um, okay. at the club, and, and you kind of get to see and sort of feel lots of other bits and mm. different bits and pieces and. And and and, that, and there's such a broad me. depth, yeah, absolutely. Um, there's a real and, depth of games. And Aidan, have you been a t- have you been tempted to kind of jump on yourself and maybe get a bit involved in the hobby since you've been working on it, or are you still give me my Overwatch and I'm happy? <laughs> <laughs> um, to be honest, like I said, I think because I've, I've, I've my 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 opinion's been changed from these huge sort of uncontrollable games to these much more intricate um, sort of small maybe 8, 10, 12 models on a side kind of um, battles. Um, I've been spending a lot of time at the game club and I am seeing things and going, oh, that looks interesting, oh, that looks interesting. Um, But because we're spending so much time, obviously, playing Purgatory and just making sort of, making sure all the rules work perfectly and all the game testing and all that kind of stuff. Um, And with all the other stuff I've got on, you know, work and family life and stuff, I just... I haven't got time for something else yet, but I am tempted by a lot of the. the you tempted to stuff. have a, like a little rest and then say, "Okay, let's see what this Mysterium kind of thing is all about, and let's jump into Seven Wonders and get some Catan going and things like that." <laughs> yeah. uh, once we once we've rested, of course. But this is the thing because of the you are doing a Kickstarter, um, yes. and the uh, the Kickstarter has probably taken up a lot of your time, so. This is the th- that, right. This is the question that I've got written down, which I obviously don't have written down because, as you know, I started taking notes two minutes before we press record. <laughs> what, what? And that's the worst way a person could say whatever. Um, what kind of made you go from say playing the games to thinking actually we could put something ourselves together? You know, when was that moment when you were you know you had that moment to say, you know. Oh, for goodness sake, Gary, I don't know about you, but if I don't make some kind of skirmishy type miniature game, I'm going to hurt somebody. <laughs> when did you get involved in that? What happened is um, I'd been working with some friends on something quite similar and mm. then I sort of stepped away from it. And uh, I kind of thought to myself, you know, when the worst thing you can do is say to me, you can't do that because I'll, I'll try my damnness to prove everybody wrong. Yeah. Um, and... And I kind of, I kind of was on the way home, and I remember thinking to myself, "Do you know what? There's not many nice angel models about. I really like to do like a, a nice conversion." And then I got to thinking, "Well, why don't I make my own?" Right. Um, and then, and then my brain just launched into overdrive, and I didn't have the capacity to kind of capture it all, but I got some of it out the other end. Um, and I literally <laughs> just, uh, just thought, "Do you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to go and explore this a little bit." And the more I sort of delved into it, and the more I thought. 
actually, why don't I just create my own model, not just a set of wings? Um, yeah. And I started writing ideas down, and then I went on to a Deviant Art place uh, where you, where artists post their work, and I just put a advert out and said, "Look, you know, anyone up for making this?" And 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 the the responses we got was just overwhelming, you know. Um, everyone wanted to have a little go on this. Um, so, I mean, obviously it's paid work, so, you know, but... Um, yeah, and, yeah. And, and... artists don't get paid work, you see. <laughs> yeah. The amount of people they get offered to do work for exposure, yeah. <laughs> in, in inverted commas oh, kind of thing. Oh. oh, if you do this, you'll get exposure, and you'll kind of see it, you know, you kind of see it all the time. So... You you advertise for some artists and you got a million of a million kind of eager volunteers. How did you decide from there who you were going to use? Do you know what it was? Um, we got some really good feedback actually. At this point, Aidan wasn't on board. Um, mm. I, I I kind of just sort of, I was just doing it by myself, just sort of pottering around and 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 I, I and I got really lucky when I put my advert out. Um, I was really quite vague. And I asked people to PM me, and the the real positive feedback we got is a sort of a um, we think we've got a good sort of ethos about us uh, or a good ethic, and and I replied to every single person and yeah. told them why I liked them or why I didn't like them, yeah. and we got really lucky. There's a there's a there's a lady called Lorinda who works with us. Uh-huh. Um, she's from Canada, and she worked on the Kingdom Death Project. Oh right, okay. Uh, and she was really keen to work with us, and uh, we found another guy called Dario. Um, and and we just kind of I just got some stuff done and our first character was Siren and uh, and I just happened to be sort of Aiden sort of just said to me because we we've been best friends for oh, since I was fifteen and um, you know I just said to him he said what are you always up to what are you always scribbling stuff down you know what are you doing yeah, exactly. what is going on over there what's with that notepad yeah what, exactly what are you was, doing with that putty put down that it, paintbrush <laughs> exactly like that and 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 so I so I said well look I can tell you if you want. And we can take it from there. And I told him, and he was interested straight away. And he just said, I'm up for this. Can I be a part of it? And I said, yeah, sure, cool. Um, and, and from that point onwards, we, we we talked about bits and pieces. We have a, we have a unique sense of humor, um, something that has permeated into purgatory. So like our first faction, for example, for example is uh, there's, some, there's some very loose uh, references to Eddie Murphy's stand-up in there. Um, Which one? The Red Raw one then? Or something uh, delirious. Oh, right, okay. Um, so, so you know, and we 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 done this, and then and, it, and it's just developed from there. First of all, it's going to be a range of models, uh, yeah. and then we said, you know, what, actually, we can make a game. We can do this. We've got the experience. We've got the, um, and and it's just, you know, we've just developed it from that point on, and it's become a project. I mean, I do that day to day as a day job. I'm a project manager of certain uh, of certain types. So, um, we kind of then said, okay, so where do we want this to go? What's the end game? Um, and, and then we embarked on what is now Purgatory, which is which is getting quite substantive. Well, I think every kind of board gamer that's into the hobby, they have that one board game inside them that they would want to make, and it's just mm. a question of whether or not you decide to you decide to kind of kind of take it further. So, how long ago was it you got started? Then has this been a, a couple of years, a couple of months? Tuesday? <laughs> <laughs> We've got a lot done since Tuesday. Um, no, uh, last February was when we started up. Uh, so not this February this year, to February 2015. And yeah. um, it was a slow burner. It was just literally chucking money at buying some artwork and sort of seeing where that took us. And then we started oh. making faction stuff. And then and then we kind of we kind of grew um, and we went to Salute. Uh, which is the games expo in in London um, by South London War Games, and and we we went to see how we would get on. Um, it was kind of like a benchmark for us, or like a gate gateway to say, you know, do we have any popularity? Are we, you know, are we are we doing something right here? Are we hitting the mark? And because getting exposure is actually probably the hardest thing. Yeah. Um, and actually, we found that we were with the feedback we got was phenomenal. Um, we couldn't believe it. You know, when when you stand there and you know, you have a you have a brain fart. You know, a few months back, and and you're just thinking about making some angel wings, and then the guy just comes up to your stand and says, "Oh, there you are. I've been looking for you. I've come to buy this." <laughs> and and you just kind of go, "Wow." <laughs> what um, was that? What was that? That must have been a, a kind of a wonderful moment. I think I think if you're a creator, everybody kind of. Well, you know, you, that first bit of recognition that you get is kind of very, very important because you're like kind of thinking, hmm, kind of potentially could be doing something right here. So that's 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 quite good. In terms of um, 
the game itself. Do you want to explain to me, kind of like, well, do you want to explain to the listeners as well, a little bit of background to it, how it kind of, what it's about, how it kind of works, and things like that? So yeah, sure. Um, the world, the world of purgatory is um, it's set around the war for heaven. Okay, so so you know, I went to a, I went to a Church of England school uh, at primary school. And, um, you know, I, I sort of knew the Bible pretty well. I have uh, my grandma and granddad are quite religious. Mm. Um, that doesn't mean to say that I'm heavily influenced by it, but I have a good a good uh, sort of foundation of an understanding. Yeah. And, um, you know, that was with the angels kind of thing. I thought about it. And then I looked at, you know, events in time and I thought, what can I do? And and, and I found the war for heaven. And the war for heaven in, in, in terms of the Bible kind of happens at the, the same kind of time as the height of the Egyptian um, pharaohs and the Chinese dynasties. Yeah, and then I thought to myself, do you know what? Actually, I don't, I don't want to do heaven and hell because actually, when you, when you, when you start talking about religion, you have to be very, very careful because and respectful, because you know that's quite important to some people. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I and, don't think you can just tread on somebody's toes just because you're trying to be creative. Absolutely um, not. No, you know, so, you never, so, you, you know, you never know who you. You don't want to try and go out your way to kind of potentially offend people as well. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the kind of thing we we took from. So so we, instead we said, well, okay, well, if there's a war for heaven, what what happened in heaven? And we started we start exploring. So the, so the background for the war for heaven is basically that the, the gods the gods uh, are basically just bicker. They bicker amongst themselves. They're always trying to fight as to who's the best. And because they're all gods, no one can actually physically prove who's the best because they're technically all equal. Yeah. So so you know, one night after a few drinks, they kind of got together and said, look, you know, tell you what. The best way to do it is not to judge it upon ourselves, but judge it upon others. So let's 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 judge it upon our creations. Yeah. Um, so they they all gave themselves a canvas and said, "Now we're going to create life. I'm going to create worlds." And and you know and 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 sort of we, we've created this 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 event where they can prove basically who's the greatest. So so they set about their great works and then but you know God's being a bit sort of the way they were, they weren't really interested. So they kind of made uh, angels and they made a heaven as a guardian. So so basically each canvas is a realm. Yeah. Um, and within the realm are galaxies and planets and, and you know, and um, different types of races and whatnot. And then the heaven is basically the anchor. And it's like a, it's like a, it's like a gateway. It's like a, a defense mechanism. They, they, they are in charge of that realm and they are there to make it grow and they are there to police it. Certainly sent the gods didn't care. Um, and then we created this thing called the Celestial Games, where the way the gods would demonstrate who was better is they would have these barbaric games, basically, a bit like good old-fashioned gladiatorial or come Olympics. Yeah. Um, and then the one who got to 101 victories in the games would be the god who, who was clearly the best at creation because they'd done that. Um, and, and then we kind of said, okay, now we've got some, some, some deeper background. Let's focus on what purgatory is. So, so Satan... Uh, was the was the angel in command of the seventh realm? So mm. we're basically saying there that the the humans weren't weren't uh, the first. We're not the last. Actually, we've just been looked over. We're we're not important. We're not that great. You know, there are there are races and beings out there much greater than us. Um, and 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 the way we've the way we said it is that where a realm falls into chaos or or, or, or it devolves or or anything else like that. Basically, we call it a hell. So a hell is a designation. A heaven is a designation. It's a place. So right. a heaven is somewhere that guards a, a realm, and a hell is a is a heaven that's just been overrun by the realm, and the realm is just now you avoid it at all costs, kind of thing. Okay. Um, and then so so what happened is the basically Satan the Satan tried to get the seventh realm to be one of the places the gods uh, was illuminated by the gods' light. And they kind of just said, "Look, no matter what you do, the stuff in this realm just isn't good enough. You need to accept it. You know, you're not going to be one of the chosen." And he didn't like that, and uh, he kept trying to prove them wrong. And eventually, they just turned their back on him and kind of just cast him adrift. And, and you know, and, and then this is where some of the traditional elements come into it, where like actually um, he was bitter and twisted about it. And then he said, "Well, okay, if you don't want the heaven, I'll I'll be a god of my own heaven. I'll control heaven." Yeah. Uh, and then the great schism broke out where angel would fight angel um, and where, you know, Satan would, would make his play. Um, and, and then we, we kind of tied in our character Siren quite nicely because she was kind of banished from heaven. Um, and then she saw it all unfold and she shimmer shifted, we call that's like a teleportation thing where um, she appeared in front of uh, the gods. 
and and she told them what was happening and then you know sort of saint michael the greatest of all the archangels or turned up and and then the the war for heaven really began and 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 the and the fallen angels were kicked out um and they were scattered through the realm and and, and a lot of them landed on earth which is where we pick up the story about where humans enter it they right. kind of went into hiding um and, and you know they didn't even communicate with each other for, for for fear of sort of you know someone just sort of uh, dropping a minute or you know like being underhanded or whatever. Uh, and they started to manipulate humans. You know a lot of the wars are a result of angels just trying to manipulate humans and everything else. And and eventually the angels just came out and said, right, we're here. We they revealed themselves and they just basically tried to enslave the human populace um, and and take it for their own. Although. Each angel has different agendas. Some want to see it sort of smashed and ruined. Yeah. Um, but St. Peter, for example, um, he doesn't want to do that, actually. He wants to just be like a big kingpin. He wants to kind of rule it as a king kind of thing. Organized crime. Kind yeah, of. that kind of stuff. So, so you've put, and you've put this all together out of your head. Because <laughs> it sounds like it's a, it's a cohesive kind of plot here and description here and everything like that as well. It's obviously tied into... What you've learned at, at school and things like that, but you you've got a definite because I looked through the rules and there's a there's kind of like there's flavor text there, there's information there, and it sounds like you guys have been sitting down and you've fully talked this out with what's happened and and, and where the how the game has ended up how the game has ended up where it is. So, in terms of where are we now? Are we What's happening at now? What is causing these characters to, to kind of battle each other? Then where are we with that? The, the big the big the big thing we had is that, you know you touched on it there and it, we wanted to one of the big things we want to try and convey to people is actually we have depth. It's a world, isn't it? We've created a, a world um, with, like you said, from within our minds, but with some traditional elements as well. So yeah. and we want people to understand that. Although we're going to produce a wonderful game, we're already producing high quality art and high quality models. We also want the longevity and the backstory. We want people to buy into the world, not just the game. There's, that- there's, um, there's heavy, there's heavy games workshop influences because of one thing. No matter how whatever you say about the other kind of parts of Games Workshop, one of the things it's been fantastic at is building the worlds mm-hmm. in which its games are based around, and this take this as either a compliment or a horrific insult and the line will just go drink the other person has hung up um <laughs> that you're you're going for world world building before you go for kind of like the the game itself which is very very impressive something we've um something we learned or something that i certainly thought about a great deal was that is that I've noticed that people buy Kickstarters and they get excited by them and then they, they get all animated by them and there's this big rush for it and then they grab it and they play it and then it goes on the shelf and then that's it. And and we didn't want that. We want we wanted to try and bring back something a bit something a bit it's a unique spin on something quite traditional. Mm. We we want people to make friends through gaming again. Yeah. I've I've made a lot of friends through gaming. Um, yeah, some of my same. best friends. Yeah. And, and and actually, you can't do that if 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 the game has uh, a very short lifespan. So so what we've done is the reason we've created this. I mean, we've already got like nearly seventy characters. Um, they have rules. They have personalities. I've seen yeah, I've seen a lot of them, and they're very very impressive. You're right. The artwork is very very good, and some and some of the models that you've been seeing, because I've obviously been looking at your page, are very very impressive as well. Thank you very Thank much. You. That's Thank very you. kind of you. And yeah. we and we want to, you know, we we know what phase two is. Um, phase two is 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 Satan and Michael. So phase right. one doesn't include them, but phase, there is a phase two already. So we want to give people something to look forward to. But but in terms of the the, the character and the game itself, um, again, we wanted to give people uh, a world where. Um, they could they could immerse themselves in a game and they could relate to people. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, we have a couple of USPs that we we believe really add something quite quite unique to our game mm-hmm. in terms of uh, how you play it, how you buy the game, and how you interact. So um, I can go, I can tell you about those later if you want. Yeah, sure. 
I mean, the basic mechanics of the game, what would you describe it as? I mean, this is what people will be, I guess, first of all, looking at buying decisions. If you if you were kind of summing up what Purgatory is about, what would you say it is? It's, it's instantly recognisable, but uniquely different. Okay. I think a lot of kickstarting companies or a lot of just games companies, I don't want to sort of tarnish kickstarters, is, is they they say, we must be different. We have to do something that nobody has done before. Yeah. And I think they apply that principle to the whole thing rather than aspects of it. Okay. So so whereas like, um, so I can give you some examples in like, so we have a traditional D6 system. It, it works, people know it. And they can familiarize themselves with it very, very quickly, which means they can play a game quickly. We don't want purgatory to be a chore. We want purgatory to be fun. So it's a case of how many... I mean, the base mechanics are you pick a couple of characters aside and then you fight off or... That's one of our USPs. One of the things that I... This is a personal thing, and I've talked to a lot of people about this. I used to go into a shop, it doesn't matter which, a model store, and I used to pick up a box and go, wow, I really like that guy in the middle, but I don't want to pay 50 quid for the other four. Yeah. Um, So what we've done is we've created these factions, these cohorts with theirs and with there's a host. And then what we've said is actually anybody can go with anybody. Oh right, okay. Well, so there's a is, benefit. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a benefit for you having like the angel of the soul train mm. and the and the cohort soul train because you get in game benefits. But actually, if you don't want those, and actually you just like six cool characters that they really appeal to you, you can go and buy those six characters individually, which means you haven't got to spend a lot of money in one go. Mm. Um, and then there's like a mercenary points cost um, that allows you to just uh, you know. Find mix, your own synergies. Mix and match, effect, effectively. It's, what you mean by soul train is you've got different factions of characters. They all belong to, like it seems like, different factions. So I believe soul train's one of them, and they've got different characters that are involved in that. And what you're saying is you can you can take characters from that faction and you can mix and match them with other characters as long as you might have to pay, or you might it might cost you additional points in order to group certain people together. Is exactly. Right? Exactly right. Okay, okay. So how many, how many, if I'm facing off, if I'm, say I'm, I'm playing Colin, okay, and I wouldn't play Colin because he would absolutely destroy me. He's, <laughs> I've heard of his, I've heard of his attempts at playing Frostgrave and, you know, um, he doesn't just decimate the other player, he effectively steals their lunch money and leaves them crying <laughs> in the corner. So, say I am decided I'm probably drunk or being very silly, Decide, Colin. Come on, let's let's go for it. How many characters would I get on my team? It rather much depends. Typically, you'd get seven. So the way right. that it has to work, you have a prerequisite of a host. You have to have an apostle and a prophet, um, mm. and then after that, you can pick and choose. Um, however, just a little sneaky, you know, uh, sort of light word in there that might be coming is that the apocalypse faction, for example, mm. uh, the four horsemen, you can only have three at a time because they're that powerful. That's pretty cool. Well, that would be cool. And then you just basically face off. Yeah. And then it's whoever wipes the other person out. Well, there's a number of scenarios. It's yeah. not as, 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 as basic as that. We we have um, seven basic scenarios and then a number of what we call public holiday scenarios. All right, okay. Um, oh, which like range Christmas and Easter. You've got it. And, you've got oh, it. Um, so essentially... Halloween? Um, or Hallow's Eve, I think, is is that one of ours. One of, one of the things we do is we, we this is this is an underpinning mechanism within our organisation. We take something and we look at it and then we tip it upside down and we change it. Oh, so, for example, Peter's a good example. That's St. Peter, the host angel. He, you know, St. Peter, when you picture him, he's the little bald guy that sits out the side of the gates of heaven and says, you you shall not pass in a Gandalf-esque way. <laughs> um, I'm not doing more Gandalf impersonations. <laughs> we did Gandalf impersonations too two shows ago okay. and it almost destroyed the podcast so there's no more Gandalf I'll, I'll stop recording right now boys <laughs> okay we won't we won't either of you even say you shall not go on then if no more no more no more no more of he who shall not be named um <laughs> you can say it if you want <laughs> but you know. the, so we 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 looked at him and went okay so what other scenarios in life would you find somebody that, that doesn't let you in and we said well let's make some Peter a nightclub bouncer that there you go 
So, so you found it straight away. And the same thing applies with some of our some of our some of our scenarios. Like we have a scenario where instead of dying, nobody's allowed to die. What happens is when the character, when a model or a character dies, you roll three d six and the scatter dice. You reposition that model there and you go again. And the person that kills the most amount of models at the end of the game wins. So you've literally the whole game long, you've got your full complement of models. So you just have what what would you probably consider to be, you know, on the PS2 destruction derby, where you're just driving around in the car and smashing everyone up. Hmm. So it is like Overwatch then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You just start a, you roll a spawn point, you spawn back in, and you're always kind of in the game. Yeah. Which is good because I have seen I have seen tears tears before bedtime when people have been wiped out when they're three quarters of the way into their game and there's no way that they can win back. And all they're doing is they're then spending the next 45 minutes in a damage limitation exercise. Yeah. And all they're doing is they're just getting... If they get lucky with the dice, they're fine. If they don't get lucky with the dice, they're just, you know, they're, they're, their defeat is just... It's going to be absolutely horrible. So your attempt is to say, right, guys... If you're going to play Purgatory for three hours, you're going to play Purgatory for three hours, and there's <laughs> yeah. no and you you have your starting point, you have your finishing point, and then at the end of that, you top up your points, and the winner gets a microwave. No, absolutely. Or or you heard that here, guys. We've that's on record. <laughs> we've Gary added, and Aidan will send you a microwave. We <laughs> <laughs> we've added one more part to it. One more part to it to the game that that that. That, that spices up a little bit. We we took we, we realised that there's a popularity for card games as well. So one of the things we introduced into our game was things called Gift of the Gods cards. All right, okay. Um, and what you do is is it's, it's the ultimate. Well, I say it's the ultimate. It's, it's probably being a bit big headed, but we believe it's a really good mechanism for balancing a game. It's an equaliser. Yeah. So th- <laughs> they're good fun. It just makes me think of Edward Woodward. <laughs> <laughs> Or Denzel Washington. Den- oh, yeah, one. he was good in that. He was good depending which very good film. Yeah, yeah. But it does ruin that joke about what happens if you take all the Ds from Edward Woodward's name. He becomes Iwa Wuwa. I've not heard that. He only becomes Enzel Washington, which is rubbish. <laughs> that was good. So you equalise it. Sorry, this is, you're in Tangent City, boys. You're, you're, in, you're in my town now. But no. it's good that I can remember equalizers, equalizer cards. These equalizer cards, what did they do? They're, they're just they're just a bit of fun. They are absolutely fun. Mm. Our game needs to be fun. So we've yeah. got what you do is you build your own deck of cards. So in the box you'll get sixty of them with two of each, so thirty different cards, and you can build your deck. And the way that it works is that we know that some people uh, have different uh, incomes, different life circumstances. So what we kind of said was we did really we, we wanted to release lots of these cards, and we thought, well, actually, we don't want you know a typical gamer guy to come up a, a power gamer and say, I've bought all of the cards, I'm going to win as a result. So yes. what what we do instead is at the start of the game, you you bring your deck along each, you place it down, you roll a d6, and the person that um, that wins the roll off chooses the deck that's used for the game and then both people draw from the same deck so right okay so you're not yet okay so this isn't a magic the gathering type scenario no somebody comes somebody comes in and saying well i'm playing my ultimate rat face destructo thermonuclear (laughs) warhead card exactly and and you're just like that you have to you have to think because (laughs) i'm coming at this from like not a fully traditional, you know, war game and background. Everything that is in a game where I think that shouldn't work like that, or yeah. why is that overpowered, or yeah. let, let, there must be balance. Balance. I mean, I used to work for one of the biggest MMORPGs in the UK, um, and everything's about balance. Yes, so all the all the things that we don't like or we feel shouldn't be that way, we've gone almost like you know. Aha, you thought you were smart by buying all the cards. Now how do you like this? <laughs> how do you like them apples? Exactly. But it also gives people a chance to play with cards they wouldn't normally be able to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and and, and they're, they're fun little things as well. Like And they're silly. So like, you know, like Mario Kart, you've got you know red turtle shells. Everyone hates it when you get a red turtle shell. You know, so we've got a Gift of the Gods card that just sends red snails, you know, around <laughs> the board. And they just they just do damage, you know. They, they ignore line of sight, and they just you just throw D three red snails out, and they go and kill you. Um, it's just 
it's just childish stuff, you know. Um, and there's a, there's a, there's a there's a childish theme to um, to some of the cards. We've got some of the characters. I mean, like we we chatted to a guy last week, and he said to us, "We really like the fact that you've got a move called the clap." Mm. And he's like, "Is it the clap, or is it the clap?" Mm. Is it yeah? Is it a visit to a doctor, or yeah. is, it, is it a is it a mad round of applause? Well, it depends. <laughs> are you are you going into a room of doctors where you have to perform? <laughs> Absolutely, it's all banner. We're trying to create the fun. Yeah. We're creating the fun. Yeah, I guess that's that's one of the, I as I say when we when we when I go to the club, and that's not the club club, but the club club <laughs> club. If you go into the gaming room, um. Which is like Raven Home in Half Life Two. We don't go to Raven Home, and we don't go in the gaming room club. There's a lot of serious faces going about in the gaming room club, yeah. and they've got these massive kind of twelve-inch high models, and they've got their tape out, and there's not, you know, you don't see. It's serious, and you you know they're having fun, but it's concentrating really hard fun. They need to have a sit down afterwards when they've had lots and lots of that type of fun. So it sounds to me like you're trying to kind of break that open a little bit and inject a little bit more humour in the yeah, instead. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. And do you know what? One of the one of the games, there was a game called Necromunda and I used to play it with a good friend of mine. And and you know, you'd get down at eye level and you'd be you'd be sort of shouting across the table, Stop being a chancer, you can't see me. There's no <laughs> no way you can see me. Pack it in, mate. Come on now, stop it. But like we've got we we used to I used to have a foosball table at my old company. And uh, there was there was a house rule that if you were beaten ten nil, you had to run around the foosball table in just your pants. Okay. The granny, the uh, famous it, granny. Oh, That's you know it, good lad. We had the white box, the white wash box at my old work for the football table, which was a genuine Daz box with white paper written around it. And if you got whitewashed, which is obviously a ten nil, you had your names and the date to put on it. And the white wash box sits on your desk for all to see your insult. That is absolutely fantastic. We and, and and we had that and 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 the problem when the, the our foosball table was the end office in an open plan office, um, and and there were two examples of it occurring. So we've said because one of the things we want to do is we want to, to help with the longevity, to help with people get this game going, to help with people try and play it and meet new people. Part of our Kickstarter is going to give people, if we stretch you know, to a certain level, we're going to give people tickets and we're going to set up a UK tournament mm. for people to come along and play. And one of the prizes will be that if in one of the scenarios somebody gets all of the points and you get none, you will get a set of Purgatory Y-fronts. That sounds fantastic. But it's that <laughs> banter, it's that little tiny bit of fun, it's that, it's that thing that sticks in the back of your mind, that thing that you remember... Mm. Um, and you laugh with your friends about for five, ten, however many years later. Um, yeah. That's what we want to try and capture. That sounds good. Um, how? I mean, this sounds like it could be an expensive endeavour. I mean, obviously, we spoke about the Kickstarter is going to be is going to be coming out. I'm not sure at the moment when we're when this is this particular episode is coming out. So. We're not going to put a timestamp on it, but what's the? I mean, if I if, if people are listening and they say, "Hmm, this sounds really really good. Um, it sounds a bit different from what I normally play." How how would we? What kind of? What's the pricing going to be like? So um, we, one of the hardest things to do is to try and give as much value as possible. We are two guys, and we're investing in this ourselves. And we're giving it some serious attention, but we're not one of these big companies that sort of uses Kickstarter as a as a sort of a pre-ordering system. Ah, you've listened to some of our other shows. <laughs> ah, there you go. There's the clue. But we don't want to do that. We we. But instead, we um, we've tried our hardest to to find value wherever possible. There's a mechanism um, that people seem to be applying in the industry, or or, or people that are interested in Kickstarters and backing projects, where if if you, you take the quantity of the box, or the quantity of the models, sorry, and you divide it by the number of models for the value. And if it's under a certain number, it's considered to be good. Yeah. Um, we, we've gone for a number of different things. So we have different stretch levels. There's a sweet spot. So for, for £65, uh, you can get 
uh, a really nice box with a really cool cover. It has a set of physical rules in there. We've listened to people. They want physical rule books. They don't want digital downloads. Um, you get dice. You get tokens. Um, you get you know one of the factions in there, uh, the Soul Train in this example. Um, and you also get a 60 Gift of the Gods cards, all of the stat cards, and some lovely artwork for 65 quid. Um, there is a Murder Inc. version, which is the other faction that we're starting with. But mm. within that box, you get a a model that's four times the size. It's a Minotaur that's four times the size of any other model. That's pretty cool. Um, that's so, a Minotaur with a box, isn't it? Yeah, that's right, yeah. so a Minotaur with the four arms, the box, and he's putting bodies it. into his yeah, oven. Yeah. You've got it. That's the one. Um, and then we've See, got a sweet spot. I do look spot. at notes, and I do look at pictures and stuff before. <laughs> I, I seem incredibly unorganised, but believe me. I'm just acting like a bumbling idiot. Um, <laughs> so you get that Minotaur, and how much is that going to go for? So there's there's one with, where you get so for, so the sixty five pound is the Soul Train. Hmm. Then there's a Minotaur box which is Murder Inc, which is which is eighty pounds because he's just that much more expensive. Hmm. However, what we've done is we, by adding the value, we've said for ninety nine pounds you can get fifteen models. Yeah. The rules, the cards, the stack cards, everything you need to play a game against your friend, yeah. you get for £99. Which compared, again, if you're going back to your Games Workshop prices, that's not bad at all. That's really, really a decent... That's value. Decent we, value right there, yeah. That's what we're aiming for. We're aiming for the value. We think so. Um, you know, we can't. We, we can't. We can't produce in plastic because you know the it, it's just it's the cost is astronomical yeah. by comparison. But we produce high quality models, and and for the for a small company, we think that offers value. And then the thing that we've tried to do in the stretch goals is we've said, okay, what can we give you back? We are a a, a we have some firm grounding to us. So, so for example, our first model, Death, the Lady with the Scissors. Um, we didn't we didn't make a decision at that point that every single model would have its own unique resin detailed base with each model. Yeah. But what we've said is that everybody who bought a death, when that base has been produced, which is in the which is in the middle of now, yeah. we will send every single person that ordered a death one for free. That's pretty cool. Because we want people to have the full model. Because there's no point in them having one model in their collection that doesn't have a unique base with it. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so and we give stuff away as well. The Kickstarter's got you know the stretch goals have got stuff where we give something away, um, and then and then we ask you know if it stretches far enough, we've got more models. There's a total of five factions that can unlock in in the Kickstarter itself. Um, I take it everything's going to be available after the Kickstarter. Yeah, absolutely. We we didn't want to have a limited edition model. We didn't. We didn't do that. We had an event-only model mm-hmm. where we can decide what an event is, and it always gives people the opportunity to uh, to always get it. So there's no penalising. The yeah. only thing we're going to do is anybody who's been given a Kickstarter code because they've supported us um, at certain times throughout, you know, our progress, they'll get some some gift of the gods cards that they can only get. But they're not game changing. They're not models that nobody else can get hold of. Yeah, you know, we've done it so that everybody can get hold of something that they really want. Yeah, that's. A, I mean, that's. Um, this is my view, and my view, not my view alone, um, is that I don't. I'm not the biggest fan of Kickstarter exclusives. I think that they can kind of. They're a bit against somebody that wants to be involved in a campaign, but maybe can't stretch that extra kind of twenty, thirty pounds. And especially with the way the exchange rate is, there's still the vast majority of Kickstarters out there come from the US shores. So I think as we said on previous shows that a hundred pound a hundred dollar kind of cool millionaire or not kind of game is now rather than costing you sixty, sixty five pounds, is costing you up to eighty five pounds now as mm-hmm. well. So by putting those in place and I guess saying to you, Oh no, because you don't have enough money you can't get in, you can't get access to this kind of special model so that's good to hear that you've said um you can get access i take it um that the models whether they get unlocked or not during the campaign you're going to be releasing those over a period of time as 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 everything grows yeah we certainly hope so yeah we we've listened to people as well you know we there were two two examples of listening to people we'd finalized our list and when we talked to people about it and 
and and and we got a couple a bit of feedback. The first one was, well, can we have a a murder ink box only rather than just a soul train box only? And we said, yeah, okay, why not? We'll do that. No worries. Mm-hmm. And then we had um, people say, well, you know, I'm I'm I like your game. It's cool, but I'm a painter. I want to buy just some of your models. So we've added a like buy three four x. Um, option within the pledge as well so that if they want to people can just pick and choose yeah. the the other thing that we've done to reward our loyal customers who've, who've kept us going you know or, or have got our progress to now is we've said that if we fund uh, or when we fund hopefully um, if you've bought a model and you want to swap it out because you don't want to we will entertain that um, and with, with any unlocked models. So if they say, look, I don't want the next faction that's unlocked, but I quite like that one model in there, and I've bought mm. this one previously, can I swap the two around? We'll say yes. Um, because a number of the models obviously are, are available today. Yeah. So our, our, our obviously we've got a, a fan base who already have got certain of the models that will be in the initial factions. So, yeah, you don't want them kind of getting... Kinda, it's not doubles. It's not like collecting football. <laughs> yeah, swapsies. Back, back at playing. Oh God, God, God. God. Need. Need. <laughs> Need. Give me it. Give me it. Oh, no, no, no. How how many how many swaps games for a shiny? Kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. Have you got the shiny thing? Yeah, I remember opening up a packet of primary school and having the Scotland badge because it was the World Cup, nineteen eighty six. And I got, nice. I yeah. Well, I already had the Scotland badge, so the <laughs> offers that I got um, were just ridiculous, you know. And I said, "No, Mister Head Teacher, leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> you can take your ten pound back." Um, no, that's another, that's another story. Um, it sounds really, really interesting. I mean, I'm not a skirmishing guy myself, you know. This is this is not my bag. This is Colin's bag. Colin plays a lot of Frostgrave. Um, he was playing Frostgrave, and this kind of sounds to me. It's in, even looking at the models, and the way you guys, what have you described tonight? It sounds interesting to me. It sounds something that you know. I think would be, it's always worthwhile checking out. I think any kind of Kickstarter that's coming out there is always worthwhile checking out because you might end up enjoying something you didn't expect you were gonna enjoy. Except joyriding, don't do that. <laughs> um, obviously, what we'll do is when. You know, when the, the Kickstarter's launching in October 10th, which is a little while away, um, we will obviously make sure that that is added to the show notes at the appropriate time. If people want to get in contact with you, if people want to find you, um, how do they get in contact with you? How do they get? How do they have a look at Purgatory? What's the best way to do that? There's lots of different things. We, we, we're quite active on social media. We have a Facebook page. Uh, so it's www.facebook.com forward slash Purgatory Miniatures. Okay. Um, we have a Twitter page as well, uh, which is at Purg- uh, Purgatory Minis. Um, we have a website, uh, which is www.purgatory-miniatures.co.uk. Uh, we have Instagram. And, and you know, we, we put a lot up. So like I'm, I paint the models, so I quite often share it around painting groups and whatnot. Um, uh, and we have a, we also have a, a, a sort of a closed group of people that we've let play test and where we, we give advanced sneak preaks to people so they can have a little look. Um, and, and anyone can request to join that if they want to um, and become part of the Purgatory community. So um, we, we, we know, we, and we're building it quite steadily. We, we have over 1,500 likes on Facebook now. Um, cool. That uh, sounds like a good little community, community ready to go. When yeah. the campaign goes, as I say, when when we release this episode, as soon as we we know what the Kickstarter campaign link is, then we will make sure that it's added on to the show notes for people who are listening now. This, if you're listening now and it's after the tenth of October, if you scroll down and click on the show notes, there'll be a nice little link to Gary and Aidan's kind of Kickstarter campaign. So I'm speaking to people in the future, not people just now, but people <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Just, I've just probably confused everybody. Um, listen, guys, thank you very, very much for coming on the show tonight. Um, uh, I appreciate you kind of coming on and, and spending the time talking to us. For Obviously, for everybody else, if you want to stay in contact with what we do, you can see us on Twitter at We Are Not Wizards, 
facebook.com forward slash we're not wizards you can email us which is magic at we're not wizards.com and .co.uk and you can see us on instagram at we're not wizards as well now the main thing is though that we are many things but we're not wizards <laughs> are we wizards guys no you're not wizards fighting the battle between heaven and hell but again just thank you gary Thank you, Aidan. We look forward to seeing the campaign. Best of luck with it. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll be certainly keeping an eye on this. Um, do you want to, um, I think so, from from me? That's a goodbye from me. Um, do you want to say goodbye, Gary? Goodbye, all. Do you want to say goodbye, Aidan? Goodbye, all, and join the war for heaven. <laughs> and it's goodbye from me. Good night. <laughs> Thank mm-hmm. you.